0: You should be doing SaaS pricing. What are you doing with this transactional model that makes
1: no sense? The truth is pricing is like never finished. The rebrand came about because we never owned eShares.com.
2: I really could not imagine us being eShares as an identity today.
0: I'm in service of building Carta. I get a lot of meaning out of uh, building something Not for me, but for everybody.
3: Carter's aggressive growth took its toll on Henry in 2016. In addition to his divorce, he faced a physical condition.
0: At the same time, I also had a pretty debilitating back injury. I was hobbling like an old man for... Many months. I could kind of walk. It was extremely painful.
3: Building CARTA into a lasting company and raising a son, Austin, have kept Henry motivated through all this hardship.
0: I was in devotion to being a father. Um, and I would not say in devotion to Austin. I think a lot of people say, I'm in devotion to my child. Uh, and I, I don't see it that way. I think it's in devotion to being the best father I can be. Um, and, and and that's what transcends uh, for him, that Austin will not remember uh, Daddy being devoted to him, but Daddy, uh, his father being devoted to being the best father he could be, and that's that's what he remembers his dad with, uh, for.
3: Coming out of this chaotic period, both personally and professionally, Henry had to make bold moves to position Carta for scale.
0: It, it wasn't that I wasn't smart enough to know that SAS was the right pricing model. I mean, you know, SaaS is the dominant business model of this decade and probably will for the the next decade or two.
3: According to Cisco's Global Cloud Index, by the end of this year, 59% of all cloud-based workflows from 2013 to 2018 will fall into the category of software as a service. And it makes sense why. An adjustable subscription model gives executives levers to pull when they need to increase revenue. It's easier for venture capitalists to make projections. And accounting loves the predictability of recurring payments as much as customers. But it was still difficult to convince customers to switch over. Marketing almost sent out a formal email announcement. But the night before, Henry received some critical advice from Michael Pryor, the CEO of Trello.
0: It hit me hard and I I put the brakes on exactly how we were doing this. I had the email be sent from my personal account. So it's not a fake Henry email. It was from me. I wrote it uh, myself in my language And the first thing I did was I apologized that I was gonna change the pricing on them, and I didn't even ask them uh, if I could.
3: As the repricing project got underway, Carter kicked off another long-term project that was critical for the company to scale.
0: We just had to change the name. We've done a lot of things poorly. I think our name change, our branding exercise and name change exercise, Uh, we did really well.
3: Changing the name from eShares to Carta was an opportunity to underscore the evolving mission of the company. However, the original reason was more practical than that. The domain eShares.com was unavailable.
0: We then went to try to buy eShares.com after we raised some money. The domain squatter wanted to charge us a lot. Every time we made more money and went back, he would keep raising the prices. We realized we were negotiating with a...
3: Welcome to Execute. My name's Theo. This podcast is about the history of Carta and a blueprint for anyone who wants to build a startup in six parts. Part five, position the rocket.
4: We did a deal a couple years back with a law firm where we basically gave out Carta for free for two years as if we were operating as like a nonprofit.
3: Annie Who joined Carta before the repricing project. As an account manager, she worked with customers who had received special rates and even got the product for free in an effort to grow the user base early on.
4: So, you know, the person that I'm working with, she'll say, I talked to so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so and everyone told this person different things about pricing, you know, why we changed pricing. And it's more so just who will offer her the best pricing, and I had to hunt those people down and see what they actually said.
3: So, in addition to executive level decision making, there were practical reasons why repricing needed to happen. In the beginning, user growth was more important than maximizing the average contract value or ACV, but it led to difficult conversations later on.
4: We're not a nonprofit company. We have to make money. We can't give out everything for free, or you know, give you like you spend like a hundred bucks a year or so. It's a uh, it's been a little tough.
3: On top of these hard talks, Carta used its own sales software instead of Salesforce in this period, which just added to the confusion.
4: I think the most important thing is just documenting. And that's something that Salesforce is helping a lot with, which we, re, I don't know if you know, we re-implemented recently. Um, so that's, that's definitely going to help.
3: Without a subscription model in place, account management at Carta would be abject chaos. But that wasn't the only major change Carta underwent in 2016.
5: Eshares had a very 90s feel to it with the whole e thing and the i thing that was happening during the first dot com bubble felt a little dated. The name Eshares was practical,
3: like the logo, which was a lock with a pie chart jammed in the middle of it. It was a little too on the nose, uninspired at best. But Manu, the co-founder and investor of Carta, recalls what really prompted the rebrand.
5: We've essentially started noticing that the person who owned eshares.com had made a mashup of our logo and started ta- using some of the terms around like cap tables and management and equity and all that type of stuff and effectively almost kind of kind of trying to dupe people into thinking that eshares.com was the real site. It was hard to believe
3: that people would mistake the fake site for our own, but that's a testament to how trustworthy a .com domain is. The esharesinc.com domain was just too much of a liability for a financial services company.
5: We don't want our customers even randomly ending up on someplace and, and entering information that they would consider confidential information. And so we felt that we needed to actually own the, the domain, the .com domain. And so we reached out to the, the person who owned the domain. And and tried to kind of engage him in like, hey, tell us what you want so that we can make you an offer. And let's see, uh, because he was not using the domain for anything else. Henry and Manu put together a reasonable offer for the owner of eshares.com to
3: avoid doing a rebrand at all.
5: After we tried a lot of uh, avenues, I finally got on the phone with, uh, with this person and told him, hey, look, we would like to make you an offer for the domain. And we want to do this in a very considered way. And that considered way is that we have figured out what it would cost us in order to change the name of the company. We are ready to take that amount of money and give that to you so that we don't have to take the time and the effort of going through that process. And it could work out well for both sides, right? It
3: just wasn't enough. There was no alignment between what Carta offered and what the squatter demanded.
5: But he was not interested at those levels, and so he did not even counter. And so then we had no other option but to go ahead and actually uh, rebrand the company. But
3: it worked out for the best. Just imagine if he had cooperated. Carta would still be called eShares today. In retrospect, the rebrand and the repricing were both essential for Carta to sustain hypergrowth. They weren't easy, though. Both required leadership, company-wide coordination, and delicate interactions with customers.
6: Yeah, I mean, I've done a couple of startups before, kind of gone back and forth between big Fortune 500 companies, startups, going back to Fortune 500.
3: David Kim, or DK as we called him, was one of the few experienced executives we had in the early years. Before CARTA, he was the chief operating officer of the North American division of LexisNexis, which was responsible for $1.3 billion in revenue under his supervision. Repricing was one of the first projects he wanted to tackle when he joined.
6: Oh, I thought it was horrible. I mean, I think that was one of the first things that I remember uh, talking uh, with uh, Henry about. You know, I have a lot of experience in, in SaaS model and, and subscription pricing and uh, um, for Carter to make that leap from uh, a proof of concept to uh, a viable commercial entity with a, with a big upside, um, you know, we, ha- we
3: had to switch to subscription. Carter's pricing was straightforward in the beginning, but it was soon too complex to manage. To give you a sense of how informal accounting was at early Carta, someone once found a $10,000 check under a stack of papers in the customer service room. When
6: we still had the, the transactional model, you know, one week to go at month end, Henry's always saying, okay, lift up every, you know, couch seat and see what's on there. Whereas with the subscription model, you can pretty much predict how the month's going to end.
3: DK is an operational expert. So from his perspective, it had even more advantages. Then it's much easier to pull the
6: levers to manage uh, manage that growth because it's influenced by uh, sales execution, number of uh, sales folks that you have. So it's very uh, clear uh, set of uh, levers that you can pull uh, to plan uh, plan the growth. After everyone agreed to move forward with the project, it would still take six months to do it right. And they weren't quite ready to pull the trigger. So, I mean, we didn't really execute on it until uh, early 2016, I
3: guess. Um, so it took a few more months than, than, uh, than I thought. Repricing is still one of the largest projects Carta ever took on, and it was risky. Customers could have easily felt misled if it were mishandled. The rebrand started around the same time, and that project was even larger in scope. It would take over a year and a half to complete.
7: When Henry and Manu got started, they had this name that they liked, eShares, and they couldn't get the domain, so they bought eSharesInc.com. I think they communicated with the owner of eShares.com a little bit. Josh,
3: who we met in the first episode, led the rebrand. There were many obstacles, but it was so important for security purposes, it didn't matter how long the project took.
7: In total, it was... It was a couple of years. Most of that was waiting for for sort of a couple trademarks to to become available. The actual, like, you know, real work took about four months.
3: Logistical issues aside, settling on a final name is hard. It has to have a depth of meaning, and it has to be memorable. The whole company took a day to participate in branding exercises, which was fun. It came down to a list of finalists.
7: We did hire an independent consultant, and she was fantastic. Oh gosh, what were some of the top ten? Lantern was on the list. Lockett was there. I think Atlas was on the list at one point. A few others. Yeah, we had a lot of names.
3: As a financial institution, names that evoked stability and longevity, such as precious stones and mountains, were given strong consideration. The worst name I remember was G-Shares.
7: Yeah, Cardo ended up being our first choice and we we got really lucky that we could get The the domain and the trademarks and everything kind of fell into place.
3: We'll break down why Carta was such a great name in a moment. But long before the rebrand ever fell into place, management needed to coordinate the repricing project.
8: Okay, we're not a one product company anymore. We actually have structured business units that we have expectations for in terms of how they're going to perform within the business and a general product line around that, right? And teams formed around that. And that changed the dynamic entirely.
3: Andrew Young was an early product leader at Carta. Along with DK, he was tasked with running the repricing project. The company was growing so fast that one of the primary challenges was getting everyone in sync.
8: We really like started seeing tectonic shifts in the org chart. Because Henry would, you know, publish the new org chart at, at the Friday sort of town hall meetings. And you're like, oh crap, you know, we hired 20 people this past month. And with that, came a focus on leadership. From Henry's perspective, who's the single neck to ring that is accountable for what we need this business unit to do?
3: Andrew is effective when coordinating a large group of people who have varied interests. This came in handy at CARTA, and during this project in particular, because it touched on every aspect of the business.
8: Once we had the task force in in place, we were getting together every single week and we were chipping away at, okay, here's phase one that we're in. What does phase one entail? Where are we at? What needs to get done
3: there were so many sensitive product and engineering challenges to address it's hard to overstate how much coordination it required
8: organization was key having a roadmap to july 5th which was the the big migration date and what sort of needed to get done before that and what phases structurally made sense in terms of product and engineering work and communication to customers
3: the final step was communications as henry described He had to send the announcement from his personal email address, and it had to have a sincere tone.
8: It was transparent. It was empathetic, saying, "Listen, this was not necessarily the business model that we could sustain over time. So you got to understand that why we have to change this."
3: Think about how frustrating it could have been from the customer's perspective. No one buys a product for a one-time fee, expecting a recurring charge to be instated a month later. So it's understandable why most people would have such a strong reaction to this adjustment if it were mishandled. As difficult as this sounds, every step of the rebranding project took a similar amount of careful execution.
1: It was the biggest. Thing I ever worked on. Um, I think in total it was a year and a half maybe to complete it.
3: James, who we met in episode two when he co-wrote Broken Cap Tables with Henry, worked on the rebrand.
1: I love the name Carta. I think it's, uh, it definitely, we're still in a phase where people re- will refer to eShares Carta or sometimes eShares, but you've definitely seen it start to kind of Catch on, and I think over time you just need to build brand equity around it.
3: As it came time to decide on a name, the concept of ownership management became central to Carta. The mission had evolved into so much more than just electronic shares. A desire for ownership is universal and timeless. When the rebrand launched, Henry wrote a blog post that compared modern wage-earning employees to serfs in a feudal economy as a way to communicate the meaning behind the new name.
1: But I love it. I think it's a great name. It's a great domain that we got for an awesome price. And, you know, it ties into our story well of mapping ownership, uh, but also ownership rights.
3: Carter's mission is to map the ownership graph, create owners, provide liquidity for owners, the higher level vision for the company was now reflected in its name. It's also a sly nod to the Magna Carta. In addition to establishing due process and protecting the church, the Magna Carta guaranteed all free citizens the right to own property without paying excessive taxes. Even with all this inspired meaning behind the name, it was hard for some people to adjust.
2: It was really hard adjusting to the name. Like, I, even now, sometimes will call us e-shares e. out of habit, uh, and it's finally caught on. Amethyst,
3: Carta's former office manager who later became Henry's executive assistant, worked on the rebrand with Josh and James. She was excited after she got past an initial wave of disappointment.
2: You mean we picked the wrong name and didn't name the company Amethyst, because that's that's all I think you're getting at right now.
3: Nonetheless, Amethyst agrees Carta is the right name for this company.
2: So the biggest thing for us was definitely needing to find a name that was... um that better fit who we are and who we want to be and what we're growing and what we're trying to create. I really could not imagine us being eShares, you know, as an identity today. And I really could not imagine, you know, in five years from now, still being called eShares.
3: Due to the trademark issues Josh described, the rebrand didn't launch until November 2017. The project was so far reaching, from the superficial like stickers to the practical like online advertising, Everything had to be updated. New website, new merchandise. It was nonstop.
2: There's a lot of things to take into consideration um, outside of just all the logistical stuff of, you know, um, your name and platforms, how you show up in Google searches, finding a new logo and creating that and rebranding within the company itself. And it's, it's a lot.
3: With repricing wrapping up in the first half of 2016, and the rebrand in late 2017, Carta was ready to scale, and that meant raising a Series C. In that time frame, in a company full of characters, entered the most unconventional character of all.
9: So I, I first heard about Carta and eShares shares when Henry was raising the Series A, I saw some early materials in the business, thought it looked super interesting, and just thought Henry had found a very nice beachhead into what could be a particularly large market opportunity.
3: Most 25-year-olds who apply for a job at Carta assemble a resume. At 25, Samit Gajri assembled a million-dollar investment to get hired as Henry's chief of staff. Samit is high-minded, but he walks around in a loud t-shirt that reads, Many are called, but few are chosen. There's one more thing about Sumit. You know how movies like Good Will Hunting, A Beautiful Mind, and The Social Network depict geniuses solving complex formulas and writing algorithms on glass? When you talk to Sumit, you get the sense he doesn't even need the glass. The growth curve for a while should actually steepen as you get more market penetration because
9: As it's a network-based business, you don't typically get growth in the early days from the network converging, it comes from just sales and marketing, but you'd hope that once you hit 25 to 35% of a market, it actually just starts to converge on itself.
3: Samit's Indian-Scottish accent gives his voice a gentle, sing-songy tone, which is ironic because he's such a bare-knuckle strategist. Part of what makes him a great culture fit at Carta is he knows what it's like to work a blue-collar job
9: first boss I had was my dad. I worked in his grocery store every weekend for 10 years from the
3: age of 10 until I went to college, and
9: yeah, it was quite the experience.
3: Henry always used to downplay the humble success of Carta, but then at a company-wide meeting, he described the future in grand terms. I asked him what changed. What made you think of Carta as a multi-billion dollar company? And he said, Sameet. $50 billion company, $50 plus billion. Oh, how you get to $50 billion evaluation? Henry took a chance on Sameet when he tasked him with running the fundraising process. But Sameet quickly set up meetings with investors and negotiated terms.
9: Henry believed in me and told me to kick off a process. We conveyed to the board where it'd be a small process where we'd speak to a handful of firms, but... A handful of firms actually ended up being 18.
3: So Samit developed the pitch for the Series C. He found himself in Los Angeles, which he felt was a fitting location for crafting a story.
9: You're in your favorite city, in your favorite place, um, which we hotel overlooking the Sunset Strip in Los Angeles. And I just remember that first version of our fundraising debt coming together.
3: Now it was time for Henry to put his stamp on the presentation, but when Sumit saw what Henry had made, he was not impressed.
9: It was the most atrocious piece of fundraising collateral I had ever seen. And initially I thought I was being petty because it was different to what I had put together. But after sharing it with a number of the other executives I was traveling with, It was apparent that I wasn't the only one that had no idea what Henry had put together. It was a deck made of watercolors with no words at all that even to this day, I can't really make sense of.
3: Samit suggested it would be better to have no formal presentation at all than to use the slides Henry put together. This idea was in play until Samit sent Henry a blog post from the legendary investor Bill Gurley for inspiration.
9: I recall being on the plane back from Salt Lake City on Thursday and receiving his second attempt at the deck. And when I opened it, I was pleasantly surprised to see one of the best presentations I had ever seen for a fundraising deck.
3: Next time on Execute, Henry closes the Series C. We find out why Sumit was in Salt Lake City and a new era at Carta begins.
4: This liquidity product is something that if you give me some time, I will do all the data, the R&D, and show that this could be a really strong subscription product.